right, praise the Lord. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> everybody doing well this morning? All right, good. You would turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. The title of my message is Fighting the Good Fight, question mark. Question, are we fighting the good fight? And so we're going to evaluate that this morning. Hallelujah. It says in verse 12, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and uh, we just ask that you administer your word, Lord. Um, Lord, we know that um, we're just mouthpieces, Lord. We're just uh, deliverers of messages from you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray today that we would receive it that way, Lord, and that we would be uh, very eager to be obedient to your word, Lord, not uh, to words of men, but words of Um, your word, Lord, in the Bible, and that we would take those words and be obedient and uh, follow you, Lord, with all of our heart. And I pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, amen, hallelujah. All right, I I was reading um, an old devotional from David Wilkerson, and... um, If there's anybody that I can think of in my lifetime that fought the good fight to the very last day like the Apostle Paul did, it's David Wilkerson. And I know that he passed away several years ago and he was uh, coming from a meeting, he and his wife, and they were with another pastor and uh, an 18-wheeler crossed the line and hit him head on and he passed away coming from a meeting. And I thought, wow, that's very... Fitting of that man was such a man of God and really my hero of the faith growing up. And uh, but I found one of his devotionals from several years ago. He's, he's been gone for several years now. But it says, "What kind of fight have you been putting up in the past year?" Think about that. Now we're talking about the fight of faith here. What kind of fight have you been putting up in the last year? Have you been so overwhelmed at times that you've lost your fight? Think about that. How many have ever, will be honest and say, sometimes I'm over, so overwhelmed I just don't want to fight? How many can say that? Amen. Have you become a weak, passive soldier of the cross, discouraged, wounded, and perplexed? I think that explains a lot of people. How many think that? I mean, I've noticed a lot of people aren't in the fight anymore. You know, you look around and you say, what happened to so-and-so? And you call them up and they say, well, I haven't been to church for a year. I haven't been to church for two years. And uh, you realize some people just aren't in the fight right now. And I don't know any other way to say that. Recently, this is David Wilkerson speaking still. Recently, I asked the Lord why so many true believers are going through Such heavy, hard times. Why such deep suffering, I ask? Why so many being tested to their limits? He said, it is because the majority of Christians have quit the battle. They refuse to fight the devil or do battle against his kingdom. And when God does find a believer with hunger and desire for his blessing, he puts him in the ring. You hear that? So many have quit fighting... Then when he finds somebody who is willing to have a hunger and desire for his blessing, he puts him in the ring. You see, God knows Satan is going to be loosed for a season of warfare. And the Lord is going to need well-trained warriors who will prevail over the powers of hell. Right now, he's doing a quick work in his remnant. It's called crisis training. These suffering, deeply tested saints are becoming the captains of his army. God is putting a Holy Ghost fight in them. He's bringing forth warriors who are tested and tried because they've wrestled with God. The more they suffer and the more intense their trial, 
the greater the work he has for them to do. God is calling you today to get your eyes off of your circumstances. Don't judge anything by your present condition and don't try to figure it out. Don't let fear get you down. God will meet you in prayer. Rise up in faith and lay hold of his promise. Stand up and fight. You have his strength. Use it. I mean, I think that's an awesome word and a word really for this hour. Um, so it started make, making me think about this scripture in 1 Timothy 6.12. And so the first thing he says in this scripture is, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Did you notice there that faith is called a fight? Faith is called a fight. So being a believer equals fight. And how many think that a lot of believers don't see faith as a fight? In fact, here's a quote by Billy Graham. It says, the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. Battleground, not a playground. Well, that's a good saying. And Billy Graham was another one of those that probably battled to the very end living his life for Christ and, and, you know, fighting the good fight. But let's break that down for a second. Because a lot of Christians, they look at the Christian life as kind of passive. Like they don't really see, well, when did I fight? When was there a fight? I don't get the fight thing, you know. And so a lot of Christians don't understand what the Bible is saying, but the Bible is pretty clear that it's a fight. Let's look at a battleground and a playground. Let's see if we look at it as a battleground or a playground. Do you remember? Now, we're going way back for some of you here. But do you remember back when you would go to recess at, at a school and you were like, man, I cannot wait for recess. And that's the playground. You know, or going to the park or going to play with friends. And, and so playground, immediately what you think of is, man, I can't wait to go out. And a lot of people, it's like, can't wait to see my friends. Can't wait to socialize, can't wait to play games, can't wait to do all the things that the playground offers. And how many think, some people think that's what the Christian life is? Man, I can't wait to go socialize, I can't wait to go play games, I can't wait to just have my free time and be poured into. And sometimes, and that's not a bad thing, Christian fellowship's a good thing, I mean, you know that. Um, Going and uh, having fun. You know, all those things aren't bad things, but if there's no fight there, if there's no battleground, we're not fully capturing what Christ wanted us to see the Christian life to be, because there is a battle. And one of the things that makes it clear that there is, Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So how many see that as a, you don't put on an armor to go to the playground. Well, some schools you do. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to say fully. But you have to take your stand. So when we're at church, we have to understand that we're in a battle and we're trying to put on this armor because we're going to have to take a stand. And that stand is going to probably happen before we leave church. And before we wake up in the morning and when we wake up in the morning. And, and so it says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against whose schemes? Think about that. What does the devil have? Schemes. You know the devil has plans against you. So there is a scheme right now for you And Satan, along with his armies, are planning things against you. So put on the full armor so you can take your stand against the schemes. Because our struggle, what do you think of when you think of struggle? Fight. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Look who you're up against here. Rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see that the devil has plans 
And he has a very large army that's helping him in his, in his schemes. So you have to be ready to take your stand. Oh, it's only against the devil's plans against you and every demonic power in the heavenly realms. How many of you see that? That's clearly against us. And we're going to be in a battle continuously. And it says, therefore, therefore what? Because all of these things are against you. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so when what comes? Day of evil. You will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. With a belt of truth buckled around your waist, breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Wait a minute. He's shooting flaming arrows at me? This is an intense battle. This is no playground. (laughs) Okay? Very intense battle. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. How often? All occasions, praying in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Who are we praying for? All the Lord's people. And it says on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So what are we constantly doing? Praying, praying in the Spirit, all kinds of different requests, all kinds of different prayers for all of God's people. And so we need to look and see, are we in this battle? So I I put four questions here. Number one, are you putting up a fight? Number two, who are you fighting? How many think these are important questions? Are you putting up a fight? Who are you fighting? What are you fighting for? And number four, are you winning or victorious in your fight? Four very simple questions we're going to try to answer today. Number one, are you putting up a fight? If the Christian life is a fight, we need to make sure we're engaged in the fight. So we start to think about it. He tells Timothy to engage in the fight. And so we look at that word fight. It means fight, struggle, a contest, or a battle. And the the verb that's used there is a continuous battle. So we've got to ask ourselves, are we even in the fight? So what are some of the fights that we are in here? And I wrote down three things that you'll be fighting against. Number one... Uh, the Bible says that you'll be fighting against the flesh. How many know as soon as you made a pro- proclamation, as soon as you proclaimed and confessed that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the body says your flesh is at war with you. And the Bible says you have the ability to be victorious over the flesh, but you have to put it to death daily. And so how many realize that we're going to always be at battle with the appetites of the flesh? The flesh is going to war with our spirit. Our spirit's going to want to do what's right, but our flesh is always going to battle. And so the question is, are you in the fight? Are you fighting against the urges of your flesh to live a godly life? And if you're not fighting to be holy... You say, well, man, how do I know that I arrived? And how will I know that I'm there? Have I ever wondered, when will I know that I've reached perfection? When will I know that I'm there? When will I know that I've won the battle? Um, When you're in the presence of the Lord. But how do I know I'm in the battle? Because it's a fight. You say, well, every day I fight to be holy and sometimes I fail and sometimes I win. You know what that tells me? You're in the fight. I was uh, talking to somebody the other day and they said, well, somebody was uh, giving them a hard time and said, well, you sin just like I sin. 
you know, a long time ago, you did the thing that I did. And they said this person was giving them a hard time about their past. And he said, uh, your sin and my sin are the same. And they said, no, you have no desire to leave your sin. And I do, but I failed. How many know there's a big difference between the two? If you're in the fight, if you're uh, daily asking the Lord, Lord, where am I falling short? And God is forgiving you of that and you're repenting of that. And you're in this grace cycle where God, you're fighting sin. Um, that's where God wants you. God's grace has been uh, set aside for you. His grace is effective. And Jonah says that you can forfeit grace. How many know that? You can forfeit because there is no repentance. And so the question is, when it comes to sin, we got to make sure every day we are in the fight. How many know the enemy is there to steal, kill, and destroy? So absolutely everything that we do, if we give in to sin, will have a destructive effect on our life. How many know that? Every time we give in to sin, it's going to be destructive for our life. Second thing is uh, Satan. The second thing that is going you're going to fight against. In fact, we just read it. It said that. Uh, let me read it specifically what it said. Ephesians six ten says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord, the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, so you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil." So as soon as you declare that you're a believer, what is going to begin to happen? There are going to be plans for your demise. (laughs) It's very clear. He's got plans. How many have ever felt like you were walking into a satanic trap? You say, well, man, that person laid that trap for me. That person didn't lay that trap for you. The enemy laid that trap for you. The enemy uses anybody and everybody he can use. Don't believe me, just look at Peter coming to uh, Jesus and saying, no, you will not go to the cross. And he said, get behind me, Satan. And he's like, isn't my name Peter? (laughs) He said, get behind me, Satan. How many know Satan was laying a satanic trap through Peter for Jesus? And so as soon as you declare you're a believer... You better believe that you're going to be in a fight with satanic traps every day. Deceptive, uh, scheming, uh, people that are mean and evil and despitefully use you and persecute you. And, and then, can I be honest? I'm not immune to that and neither are you. How many know every day we're going to be dealing with some new scheme? He's like Wiley Coyote on steroids. How many remember Wiley Coyote? Anybody ever watch that cartoon? That cartoon's so much better when you're older. It's like an adult's cartoon. And every day he's scheming, you know. Every day he's got this box that comes from Acme products, right? And every day he's got a new scheme for the destruction of Mr. Roadrunner, right? And see, that's how Satan is, but on steroids. He's about a million times more destructive and more evil and, and more, dis, you know, wanting to go after you. And so as soon as you declare that I'm a believer, you're going to be at war with Satan and all of his... Um, in fact, it says, finally be strong in the Lord, what does it say here, uh, against the schemes of the devil, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up your armor, so you'll be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Let me see, we're in a battle, very clearly. Third thing is the world. The Bible says if they hated me first, guess what? They'll hate you too. So one of these sure enemies that we're going to have, it's going to seem like, man, today it seems like the whole world is against me. They are. <laughs> so we got to be ready for that. The world system, um, so people sometimes romanticize the life of Christ. They make it look like, well, man, Christ, these are people that aren't believers. They're just like, he was a great prophet. He was a great man of God. He was somebody that just did kindness to everybody. Everybody loved him. You know, just almost like you've seen the Disney 
movies where the birds just come into their hands and they're all whistling and they're all singing the same songs and everybody loved him. And see, that's a myth. Everything's true about Christ. He only did good, right? He was a perfect man. He was kind to everybody. He healed so many, you couldn't write enough books to say all the things that he did. But here's the truth. They hated him without cause. I mean, he was beaten more than any, any man was beaten. He was, you know, given the death sentence of a criminal. You know, he was uh, basically capital punishment. He was actually, you know, exterminated like the worst criminal in the world would be exterminated. And he was treated very badly. And he said, whatever it is about me and my faithfulness to God, they hate it. The world hates it. And because they hate that about me, if you try to be like me, they're going to hate you too. But how many know that he had a mission? And he said, I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And how many know he overcame the world? He overcame all spiritual darkness. He overcame uh, the flesh. How many know he put the flesh, nailed it to the cross? How many know that he overcame all these things and his expectation is we're going to win the fight? Like we've already won it. He's already won the victory. We just need to follow him to have victory. Second thing, who are you fighting against? We're in a fight for sure, but who are you fighting We just said that there is a fight against the enemy, and the Bible says it's not flesh and blood. Not flesh and blood. But I thought you said we were fighting our flesh, said we're fighting the world, and we're fighting Satan and all of his demonic powers. But the Bible says it's not the flesh and blood that we are to fight. We're to fight the principalities in high places. We're to fight Satan. We're to fight against the enemies of this world because guess what? They are using the people of this world. Satan will use people in church. Satan will use people outside of church. Satan will use your family. Satan will use your friends. Satan will use strangers. How many of you know Satan is an equal opportunity user? And so who are we not fighting? If you are a husband... You're not fighting your wife. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Oh, wow. That's exciting as I've ever seen her get. (laughs) But how many know, if you're a husband or you're a wife, you're not fighting your husband or your wife, but how many know the enemy will use that person? Oh, everybody got quiet on me. How many know the enemy will use the person closest to you? How many know that your enemy is not your children or your parents or your grandparents? But how many know the enemy will use everybody? Do we all understand this? How many know the enemy is not your church? But how many know the enemy will use, this is where you can kind of say okay because everybody's holding their breath and like, I'm not going to say that about my family. But how many know the enemy will use church people against church people? And so we have to fight within a church for unity within a church. It's a fight, isn't it? It is the biggest fight in a prayer group is to recognize disunity in the body and pray for unity in the body. And so we know for a fact that God will, or that the enemy will use church people against church people We know the enemy will use family member against family member, right? We know the enemy will use, if he'll use those people that close to you and believers, then he sure will use people at work, won't he? So he's using people at work. He's using all these different people. He even used Peter, the pillar of the church, against Jesus. And so who are we fighting against? Who are we fighting against? Can you imagine us being in battle lines and the one enemy is Satan, but we're so busy fighting each other that we can't fight Satan? So simple questions. Are we fighting? And some people can't say, yes, I am. 
They don't fight against evil. They don't fight against, you know, the flesh, the world, the enemy. There's no fight. That means you're not even in the game. Second one is, yeah, I'm fighting, but my fight is right in front of me. My fight is my wife some days. My fight is my husband some days. My fight is my children some days. My fight is my grandparents some days. My fight is people at work some days. And I'm not immune to this. How many know sometimes we can't get past that? It's very difficult to get past the fight that's in front of us and see where the real fight is. If he says flesh and blood is not the fight, then we got to figure out who are we supposed to be fighting. Because we'll never win if we don't know who we are fighting. If your fight is against that person at work that will never change, you're going to be very frustrated. But when you realize the enemy will use anybody, especially somebody who's got a bad attitude or a bad heart or a mean spirit, how many know that you can be frustrated trying to win that fight against that person when really it's the enemy that is allowing you to be destroyed by that person? See where I'm coming from? And I, you know, you say, well, Chad, you've got to figure it out. How'd you figure it out? You think I have it figured out? I have to go home every day. How many, the opening line, it says, why are so many discouraged, wounded, and perplexed? You think soldiers of Christ go home and are discouraged, wounded, and perplexed? You think they go home and, 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 are, and, and say to themselves, I'm so stupid. I did not realize that was the enemy. I thought it was my coworker. I thought it was my family member. How many know Satan is really good at being antagonistic about getting people to fight against each other and forget who the real fight is against? And uh, he's real good at making people fight and not even notice the enemy of our souls. <clears throat> Number three, what are you fighting for? You say, well, man, why is this fight even worth it? Why is it even worth it? Why do I fight the flesh, the world, the enemy, and all the demonic powers? Why do I have to ignore the person that's doing great harm to me? In fact, Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Man, oh, man. What? Pray for the ones that are persecuting me and doing all that bad stuff to me. Why is that worth it? How many have ever asked that question? He goes on and he says, fight the good fight of faith. And here it is. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made a good conf- the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So he's saying take hold of eternal life. Now this is pretty neat because Paul is writing this to Timothy. And Timothy was on that second missionary journey, I believe. He went through Lystra, he went through Derby, And uh, Timothy was there with his mother Lois and his, hold on, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Timothy gets saved on Paul's missionary journey. Next thing you know, Paul is, or Timothy's really young, probably nearly a teenager, starts traveling with Paul. And so guess who probably baptized Timothy? Paul. Probably baptized him in his hometown. Probably one of the same trips where Paul was stoned. Uh, uh, people took him outside the city and thought they'd killed him with stones. They uh, hit him with stones. It looked like he was dead, but somehow he got up and all kinds of miracles were done. And at some point there, he baptized Timothy and he made a good confession in front of his mother, his grandmother, all of his family members. I may have made a confession that I'm going to live for God. And he's saying, man, you need... You need to hold on to the eternal life which you were called. Now this take hold is epilambano. It means to hold, get a grip of it, take possession of it. Lay hold of it, get a grip on it, or take possession of it. Let me ask you a question. Some people are holding loosely to eternal life and holding tightly to this world. And they're holding, what they should be doing is holding tightly to eternal life and holding loosely to this world. So Paul is saying, 
get a grip on it, grab a hold of eternal life and grip it tightly and lightly hold the things of this world. You know, there are a lot of people that are holding on to their life in this world. Like life in this world is so important. I got to grip it as tight as I can grip it. But eternal life, uh, not that big of a deal. You say, well, I don't, I would never say that. You never say that, but you might live it. Some people hold on to the riches of this world and hold loosely to the riches of the coming world. Let me give you seven things that Paul says before this verse, just to give you the, the, um, the context of what he's writing this. First Timothy chapter, or chapter six, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. Now remember, Paul is in a prison in a sewer system underneath Rome. The worst prison in the world. He's about to die and he's writing these final instructions to him where he culminates with fight the good faith, Timothy. Don't, don't let go of what you're holding on to. But he says, listen to that first line. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing in this world. We can take nothing out of it. That's the first thing he's saying to him. First principle is this life is temporary. Eternity is forever. Remember the old saying that you can't take a U-Haul behind the hearse? Wouldn't that be odd? Go to a funeral and they're taking somebody to the funeral, out of the funeral home and going to the burial site. Man, he had a lot of stuff. That's going to be a big hole. And all those things that were so important are in the U-Haul. Can you imagine? But I've never seen that before. Have you? Have you ever seen a hitch on the back of a hearse and and a U-Haul? So what's going with you when you die? Nothing. So Paul says, godliness and contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of this world. Wow. Then he goes on and he says, but if we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. So now we're starting to see what may be happening in America. See, America is the land of plenty. It's a land of everything. And what happens to the world when you start taking what they have? The world goes crazy because that's all they have is what's in this world. They have nothing in the world to come. They have no hope in the world to come. They have nothing to grab a hold of and say, this is eternal life. I'm not letting go of it, right? But what happens when the church has the same thing happen? Often they act like the world, especially in a nation that is wealthy and prosperity is the name of the game in America. Greediness is part of it. So what happens? He says, but if you have food and clothing, be content with that because godliness and contentment is great gain. He's trying to tell you the secret to fighting the good fight. The secret to surviving the fight the secret to winning the fight. He's given you all these principles. Third principle, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. So who's going to fall into the satanic trap? Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And you say, well, good, I'm not rich. He's not telling you to sell everything you have. He's just saying that those riches can have possession of you. And we're a rich nation. We don't know this, though. If you own a car, do you know what percentage of the world owns a car? Less than 5%. That's the last statistic I saw. 95% of the world cannot afford to have a car. Do you know that the scraps that we have off of our table 
in a lot of nations would be enough to feed an entire family. And the amount of money that we spend on a watch or a phone is enough to pay the bills for a long time in a lot of families in the world. And so when we say we're not rich, we have to be really careful because we could be rich, which could lead. Being rich isn't the problem. The problem is that if you have things, you can react a certain way when your things are taken away. And Paul is saying that's what's going to lead to ruin and destruction. And so in America, we're finding ourselves being tested. And as we're being tested and things are taken away, our reaction should be, I'm holding loosely to those things and holding tightly to eternal life. But we find the opposite so much even in the church. I'm holding tightly to those things and loosely to eternal life. And so he goes on. That's principle number three. Then he says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So here's what I find interesting. In verse 11, he says, run, flee. Verse 12, what's he say? Fight. (laughs) I mean, oh, those are different. So we are to flee worldliness and we're to pursue righteousness. So you say, well, that don't work for me. I'm a fighter. Okay, let's say a giant grizzly bear is in front of you and you have a choice, fight or flee. It's usually better, in some cases, to flee. It's wisdom. And the Bible is telling us very clearly here how to fight. Like there are certain times you need to flee and certain times you need to fight. And so the Bible is very clearly saying, flee from unrighteousness and pursue righteousness. But sometimes what do we do even in the church? We pursue unrighteousness and we flee righteousness. (laughs) And God said, no, do the right things. Put your time into the right things. Put your time into godliness and flee away from these things that the world is embracing. And then he says, principle number five, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life, which you were called to make a good profession in the presence of many witnesses. Then he says in verse 14, keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus. And that's very important. Keep this command to fight the good fight and take hold of eternal life. Grip it tightly. Do that until the Lord returns. How many know that a lot of people have fought well, but it didn't matter because they quit? How many know if you quit fighting, you're going to lose? It doesn't matter how well you fought, you got to fight to the end. And you got to set your mind to fight to the end. And can I tell you that there are a lot of people, in fact, he talks about Hebrews. He says in Hebrews 10.34... He said that you had compassion on me and my chains. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And how many know these Hebrew Christians were enduring persecution, but he was trying to tell them and warn them, don't stop. They were in danger of giving up and fleeing. They were in danger of getting out of the fight Even though their possessions had been taken, all this stuff had been done to them, Paul was encouraging them, stay in the fight. And can I tell you, there are a lot of people around us we've seen have dropped out of the fight. They've dropped out of it. And I'm telling you right now, God is calling us to keep up the good fight into the last day. And I watch people like David Wilkerson and Billy Graham, and I want to be like them. You know, I want to be there to the very end. And you say, well, man, I could just drop out of church. You know, I could just do it from home. You know, I could just, you know, evangelize at the grocery store and not really. Well, where are you going to invite them? Where are you going to invite them, you know, when they want to be a believer? You know, how are you going to fulfill the mission of Christ? And for me, I want to the very last day to be faithful to his church, be faithful to God, be faithful to fighting Fighting the flesh, fighting the world, fighting the enemy, fighting Satan. How many want to be like that to the very end? 
to the very last day. In fact, the way he puts it, until the appearing of our Lord. And so he's telling us not just to fight the good fight, but fight it to the very last day. Don't give up. Don't stop. You know, don't be one of those that when the battle gets a little bit hot, we stop. Or you have some kind of failure. In fact, what David Wilkerson said was, discourage wounded and perplexed soldiers who have become weak and passive. We don't want to be that. We want to stay in the fight no matter how many times. You know, there's going to be times you're going to get, um, in fact, I was thinking of a boxing match. I mean, know oh, there are times in a boxing match that you're going to lose a round. And you're going to go back and you got this nice little meeting every time between rounds. And uh, they'll tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. In fact, I remember one time I had a fight and the guy, I was dancing around the ring so much. I was dancing. I looked like Ali. I was dancing so much. And I was dancing around, but I would always keep my hand down because I like to taunt him a little bit. And so I keep my jab down. And every time I lower that jab, uh, he was hitting me with a right hook because I, I didn't see it coming. And he kept telling me, he said, man, watch that hook that he keeps throwing. Watch that. He keeps, that's the only punch he's landing on it is that hook. Put that hand up. And I never would put that hand up. I kept lowering my hand down and just playing around with him. And, and, uh, but how many know you're going to have rounds in life that you lose? You're going to have times that the enemy smacks you real good. There's going to be times you actually hit the canvas. You know, times you have to get up. Times you're going to be dazed. Times you're going to be confused. Times you're going to... Um, not know where you're at. Literally, you get hit sometimes, you don't know where you're at, and you've got to kind of recover in the ring, in the middle of the fight. You don't know what city you're in, you know, and everything's in black and white. Trust me, I know this. And there's times in life when you're living the Christian life, you're going to be the same way. I mean, no, we're going to have rounds we lose, but that doesn't mean the fight's over. It means you've got to get back up, you've got to keep fighting, there's no giving up, there's no quitting. There's no walking backwards. There's no stopping going to church. There's, I mean, no, that's a form of waving the white flag. You say, I'm not going to church anymore. My battle's with the church. Battle's not with the church. Your battle's not with God. I mean, no, some people are still mad at God. They're still fighting God, and God's saying, I'm the one that saved you. Why are you fighting me? You know, say, well, my fight's with so-and-so, so-and-so. No, you're just looking for a reason to get out of the fight. Be truthful. We can't keep justifying while we're getting out of the fight. We've got to stay in the fight to the very last day. Never quit. Never stop. Keep moving forward. And uh, so he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain. Do you hear that? Tell the people that have a little something not to put their hope in that because it's very uncertain. So, well, no, it's not uncertain. Look at my bank account. He's saying it's very uncertain. He's saying there's something better. Well, what's better? Tell them to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hallelujah. So he wants them to put their hope on God. Focus on God. Do the things of God. Then he goes on. Last principle. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be here and put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides everything. Now listen to this. Command them... To do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So he's saying what you should do is focus on giving to the Lord. You know, in the name of the Lord, give everything you can possibly give. Give your time, give your energy, give your... You're better off, he said, to give until it hurts. He said, if you're giving, you're building up a sure foundation where there is truly life. And you say, well, Chad, my life's in this world. You're going to be really disappointed. Live this world, have whatever enjoyment in this world, but we really need to build our foundations in heaven. Our excitement should be for going to be with the Lord. Our excitement should be the hope of being with the Lord. Our excitement should be our treasures that are in heaven. Our excitement should be, Lord, I can't give it away fast enough for you, Lord. And, and so there's, it's better. He's, he's stating the same thing that Jesus stated. It's better to give than to receive. And, and I think this is Paul's way of saying, if you're giving to the Lord and not so focused on the material things of this world, that's how you know you're going to pass this fight. 
Everything's, everything's rooted in this whole thing about fighting the good fight with how you look at your world, worldly possessions. You know, is your hope in God or is your hope in the things of this world? Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. So I'll go back to the original question. Are we fighting the good fight? Fighting the good fight question mark. Are you fighting? Who are you fighting? And what are you fighting for? Hallelujah. Let's evaluate this, that this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, come before you, Lord. And Lord, we want to assess our battle this morning, Lord. We know that any good army in the midst of a war will have an assembly of generals, Lord, have an assembly of brass, Lord God, and they will sit down and determine whether they're fighting a good fight. Lord, whether they're winning the fight, whether they're aggressive enough in the fight, Lord, what their strategy is in the fight. And Lord, I just pray this morning that each person would evaluate where they are in this fight, Lord God. Lord, they would determine whether they're in the fight or whether they've given up. Father, they'll determine who they're fighting. Lord, they'll look at their life and decide, Lord God, just Holy Spirit, help them this morning determine whether their fight is with flesh and blood or whether they're fighting against the enemy. And Lord, I pray this morning that we evaluate what we're fighting for, Lord. We're not fighting for the riches of this world, Lord. We're fighting for eternity, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would help us focus and fix our eyes on you, Lord. You're our hope. Eternity is our hope. Not the things of this world, not the riches of this world. But eternity, Lord. Oh, Lord, just this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, you said you're searching to and fro, looking for hearts. Lord, in this uh, devotional from David Wilkerson, it said that you are looking for those who are willing to seek out your blessing. And Lord, they're going to be your leaders, Lord in the last days. Lord, let us be those hungry souls, Lord God, that are okay to be in the ring, okay to be in the fight. Won't back down, won't back up, won't give up. Lord, our fight is for our families, our husbands, our wives, our children, our friends, even strangers that are far. For orphans, Lord, for those who are elderly. Lord, we're in a real battle today. Oh, we're in a real battle, Lord God, and we've been placed in this community. Put the fight in us, Lord. Oh, Lord, bring the victory in lives, Lord. Hallelujah. Just find a place to pray as we worship. Let God search your heart. close in prayer I want you to think about this Paul Paul is getting closer and closer to having um, to dying a martyr's death and they're literally about to remove his head he's about to go to a guillotine and, and die and so Timothy's a very special book because of that he's in solitary confinement and bad conditions and just giving instructions very uh careful and very powerful and very uh, uh, exact and I like in uh, 2 Timothy a few chapters later Paul says that um, we should have the dedication or commitment of a soldier the discipline of an athlete and the patience of a farmer So a soldier who is committed to winning a war. We have an athlete that's disciplined to win the prize. You ever seen either of those two? A 
committed soldier that will go through anything to win the war, an athlete that will train every single day, every hour, every moment to win a prize, and then a patient farmer who puts the seed in the ground and does all those things, not seeing any results, knowing that the result will be way in the future. And so he's telling us to do those things to be a faithful Christian. I'm going to read this again from David Wilkerson. It is because the majority of Christians have quit the battle. They refuse to fight the devil or do battle against his kingdom. And when God does, this is what I want you to notice, when God does find a believer with a hunger and desire for his blessing, do you hear that? Are you hungry? have a desire for his blessing he said he puts them into the ring (laughs) wait what he puts you in a battle when you are somebody who desires his blessing everybody else is running away from it but you're willing to fight the enemy and and you're going to win you're promised victory but here you are in the ring and it says you see god knows satan is going to be loosed on the earth for the last hour And the Lord is going to need well-trained warriors who will prevail over the powers of hell. Right now, he's doing a quick work in his remnant. It's called crisis training. These suffering, deeply tested saints are becoming captains of the last day army. God is putting a Holy Ghost fight in them and bringing forth warriors who are tested and tried. Because they've wrestled with God, the more they suffer, the more intense the trial, the greater the work that he has for them to do. God is calling you today to get your eyes off of your circumstances. Don't judge anything by the present condition. Don't try to figure it out. Don't let fear cast you down. God will meet you in prayer. Rise up in faith and lay hold of his promise. Stand up and fight. You have his strength, so use it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, speak these words over this congregation, Lord God, and we pray for your strength to shine through every life. Lord, that when the battle gets hot, we don't back away. We don't give up. We don't stop. We move forward and we're faithful, even in the worst of circumstances, Lord, to be faithful to you. To do your work, Lord. To give to your work, Lord our time, our resources, our energy, for your glory. Lord, we pray all these things over these people, Lord. In your name we pray, and everybody said...